0: Welcome to Tea Fascination with Andy and Nick. In this week's episode, we are bringing you an interview that Andy conducted with one of the co-owners of the award-winning Great Mississippi Tea Company, Timothy Gibson.
1: So, um, yeah, so we we got into tea um, kind of purely accidental. we actually uh, had a, a cattle farm here and had been in Jason's family for, for quite some time and we were going to take over and we didn't want cattle. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we were kind of looking for a new crop. Um, plus we already have a timber farm um, and Katrina kind of put a, a, a big hurt on us um, on that business as well um, and destroyed a good bit of the timber. And so we weren't looking for something kind of hurricane proof, but um, also that when you put it somewhere, it stayed there. (laughs) So um, we happened upon Charleston. um, And uh, they told us, you know, the conditions for tea and that it was a type of camellia and um, everything. And we said, well, we meet all this criteria. Um, And we're one of the camellia cities. So maybe we can do this. Um, so we got into it, um, and it, our original consultant fell through and we ended up with Nigel, uh, Malikin, And, uh, he told us that the only way that tea was going to work in the United States was to do specialty tea. Um, commodity tea just was not feasible here. So we, why
2: did he, why did he tell you that commodity tea wouldn't be feasible here?
1: So commodity tea is bought and sold around the world for pennies on the dollar. Um, I mean, it's a couple dollars a pound um, on the shelf in the supermarket. <laughs> so uh, Lipton tried it and couldn't make it work because of, because of our labor market. Um, it just was way too, our labor market's too high. And it's just never been feasible because of the cost of it. Um, Charleston originally was uh, Bill Hall and Mac Fleming and they bought it from Lipton and tried to do commodity tea and went bankrupt. Um, And then the Bigelow's bought it out of bankruptcy and turned it into a big tourist attraction. Um, And they make good money off their tea, but most of their money comes from tourism. Um, So that's why they do so well. It's because you have so many tourists that it's, it props up everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So they did a really good job of turning it into that, but just to make commodity tea in the United States because of the cost, it's just not feasible. So we got in, uh, pivoted, uh, started doing, uh, planning to do uh, specialty tea instead and got going. And then uh, originally we were just going to grow and we had brought somebody in to be a partner to actually do the processing um, like they do in most places around the world. You're a grower, you're a processor, you're usually never both. And uh, that fell through (laughs) and we ended up having to learn to process and everything when it came time as well. So we got into it and kept going and it's turned out to be a really um, great uh, crop here. Um, It does really well. The amount of knowledge that we thought it would take, um, we had to constantly learn um, over and over and over. Um, We always learn something new. Um, There's always things to learn, but one of the things that we tell people getting into it is you know, don't be deceived by seeing because it's what we did is we saw a up and running farm and thought, oh, well, this looks easy. It's everything that goes into getting it to the point of processing and getting it to where your acreage is full and um, everything. And there's a lot of work there. Um, it's roughly uh, at this point, it costs roughly about one hundred thousand dollars an acre. Mm-hmm. um the first five years to get it up and going. And that's a big input in the very beginning. And a lot of people uh, don't have that, you know, input to put in right at the beginning and then not get anything back for about nine to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we're finally at the point to where uh, we're not putting money in the farm. Um, it's paying for itself. It's paying for um, employee Um, and everything. So we're at that point, uh, starting this year, to where we're actually going to start being able to probably uh, banking money, instead of outputting everything. Um, So we're doing pretty good so far.
2: And in terms of like, processing, did you, I know that you had spoken to Fairhope, but ha- are there other people that like, did you go to China to view it or did, to view how they did it or how did you figure that process out?
1: So when it came to processing, um, Jason and I both have been to India, um, he's been to China, um, but that was after um, our uh, processing started. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually brought in, uh, at the time Beverly Wainwright was working with Nigel um so when it came to processing, she actually came over and taught us the basics mm-hmm. um, of how you process tea. This is you know how a black tea is supposed to be made this is how a green tea is supposed to be made um, and so we worked through uh, quite a bit of that and then after that then we experimented. Um, our very first harvesting season was nothing but experimental batches. Um, What did we do um, to make the perfect black tea for us? Um, How long did it take for the wither to happen? Um, How long did we have to oxidize? How long did we have to roll? Um, What were the conditions in the withering room um, when we were doing all of this? Um, Same thing for green. Do we start immediately processing our green tea like they do in most places around the world? Do we do a wither, do we not do a wither? Do we steam? Do we pan fire? It was all experimental. Mm -hmm. Um, We knew what we had to do to achieve a certain aspect, but we needed to figure out what worked for us. Um, Because as a lot of people may not know, um, a green tea recipe or a black tea recipe is not the same from place to place to place. It's all different. Um, Same general idea, but one person may be withering for 18 hours and another may be withering for 10. I mean, so it's, their withering is never gonna be the same, their leaf is not the same. So their flavor is not the same. Um, They're not in the same soil types. So different things um, make certain things happen in the leaf. And until you experiment with that, you don't know. Um, So there is a generalized idea of how things get processed to make a black tea a black tea, but then how you get to those throughout your process is different from place to place
2: and when you guys harvest you pick i'm i'm assuming you just do the standard pluck and it's all by hand right
1: um so in the beginning we did everything by hand Mm -hmm. Um, for the last three years um we've been using a machine uh with a person out of australia um, which is actually a plucker and it's not a cutter um, so oh, most okay. tea harvesters are cutters. That's right. And we have the only plucker. Um, and we've helped them fix the bugs and everything that were kind of in it and got all of that worked out. Um, and it's Williamson's harvesters um in Australia.
2: Okay.
1: And it's a paddle system. And but our our leaf basically our standards, um, most people around the world, green and black are two leaves in a blood. Mm-hmm. Um, And we actually do green as two leaves in a bud and our black tea and our yellow tea both go down to three leaves in a bud. Um, There's different chemicals that start in that third leaf um, that tend to have more sweet aromas and uh, sweet flavors and stuff like that. And we wanted that in those teas. Um, And then oolongs, of course, you know, can actually go all the way down to about six leaves. Um, So uh, depending on which one we're making will depend on what we take.
2: Okay. And in terms, like, I know that you guys have submitted at the um, World Tea Expo and you have one award, right? Yes. And how did I that? we
1: somewhere around about 10 different awards.
2: Yeah, you did. Yeah. And I don't think people, unless you're in the industry, understand how kind of monumental that is in terms of being able to have tea, especially tea that you've done from start to finish so to speak let's just use the bean to bar concept you know whatever and you know being able to kind of do that like how how did that feel and how surprised were you when that happened
1: um originally our very first award um was kind of well I should say awards because it was we won four at one time Mm -hmm. the very first one Um, and it was like, okay, that was kind of our reassurance Mm -hmm. Um, because we were, we had been through loss and everything else with the farm. And we were kind of really doubting, um, what was going on. And then we won those first awards and we were like, okay, well, maybe we actually can do this. You know, we, we made a good tea that have won first places and, um, maybe this is something we actually can do. So it kind of renewed our, our hope for the for this business and then um, when we started winning more um, we were just so excited to be able to be making good tea because we weren't tea people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're from the south we know iced tea That's um, right. I knew flavored teas because my mom was a big hot flavored tea drinker um, but to know actual regular tea um I didn't know and so we would taste it. it was like oh well it tastes good but I don't know what it's supposed to taste like that's
2: right you <laughs> taste and, and I'm sure you tasted hundreds now in relation to yours to see you know wh- where you want to get it but I mean I understand that too and I think that yeah I mean it's interesting I mean we sell tea and we we're mix and blend we have Fuso machines so we process it in the bags and that's kind of what we do In terms of, you know, we take on that part of the processing, not the earlier part of the processing. And um, I think that, you know, now people even in our, and we're in the South too, I mean, to get somebody to even just drink a black that's not sweetened is a win. I mean, we put, you know, stuff in it, like we'll put fruits and florals and things like that to kind of, I guess, maybe temper it a bit. But um, in general, I would say that, yeah, you're right. I mean, many people in America do, just do not drink a straight black or a straight green. It's, I would say yeah. that's rare. It's rare.
1: Yeah. And most people, when I talk to them, but especially green, um, most people are like, oh, well, you know, I'll drink it here and there, but I really don't care for green tea or you know, everything else. And that's when we start getting into questions with them, you know, it's like, okay, well, what don't you like about a green tea? Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: it usually always comes back to like that bitterness or something that you get from a green tea. And usually it's like, okay, well, why don't you give our green tea a try, taste it, see what you think. Um, Because we worked really hard on our green tea um, to, because we knew, people in the United States, bitterness is not a flavor that we like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. So we worked really hard with our green to pull that out.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so the, our processing, um, the withering that we do and everything else with our green tea actually takes it away. Um, so our green tea is not at all bitter.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, it actually
1: has a sweet note to it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: usually those people, go, okay, if we can get them to actually try it, they'll be like, oh, okay, well, this is not what I expected. (laughs) And they'll they'll okay, well, maybe I can, you know, I will drink this a little more than I would drink a normal green tea. Mm -hmm. And that's something that when we work with people, um, we let them know, you find your market. You know, if you're planning to sell to China or Japan, or an Asian country, that bitterness is expected. Mm -hmm. And if it's not there, they think there's something wrong. Um, But we also had uh, the guys from uh, Harvester Company over from Japan. And when we were in Hawaii, and it was the son and the father, um, and they came to talk at our uh, uh, event there, and they had our green tea and they were trying to fight over who was going to get to take it home. <laughs> because yeah, the dad great. was like, Oh, yeah. I want to take it home. And someone was like, well, I like it. I want to take it home. It's like, I can give you a bag. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> you know, I have more. Um, so even that is kind of unexpected, you know, that they liked it enough that they really wanted to take it with them. And so it's kind of a, a throw up, but you know, a toss up, I should say, um, But knowing your market and what you need from your market will also depend on what you want your tea to taste like.
2: That's right. And in terms of like how many acres do you guys have now that you have planted?
1: So currently planted, we have
2: seven. Seven. Okay. And out of those seven acres, do you feel like it's enough to be able to start to do wholesale or are you guys still going to focus on your brand and processing for you guys? Um,
1: We are, we're still doing wholesale.
2: Uh, Oh, you are. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we started doing wholesale. um, See this 20, well, started doing wholesale ourselves in 2019. Okay. So, Uh, before that we were actually doing it through the cultured cup. Um, but then when COVID hit, everything shut down and a lot of people don't understand when everything shut down like that restaurants shut down. So the cultured cup had to shut down all of our other people that bought our teas from for businesses and stuff like that. They all shut down. So we had nowhere for our tea to go. Mm -hmm. So we were making tea and trying to figure out, well, what are we going to do with it? Because we didn't have an online store. We didn't, I mean, everything went to somebody else to be sold.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And now we have an online store and we do our own wholesale and everything else because we had to. Um, So we are doing wholesale um, and we do said currently, as of this year, we started taking pre-orders so that we could know about what we needed to get out as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. And currently we're sitting at about a hundred pounds of pre-sold tea before our season starts. Mm -hmm. And so we've got quite a few people waiting uh, and more people on our wholesale list that just haven't uh, put in their orders yet and stuff like that. So we do do wholesale.
2: And when is your first flush?
1: So our first flush um, is actually... Uh, rapidly approaching. Um, it's <laughs> spring a little bit right now.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and uh, we're going to actually do a few uh, limited editions are um, a limited edition right off the bat. Because um, Beverly is here currently um, in the United States. And uh, anybody that's had our tea knows that we do a very uh, green oolong. Um, our oolongs are green. They're not really uh, dark oolongs and she's going to actually do a roasted darker oolong um with us and uh, while she's here so uh, we're going to do that with her
2: that's i think that's really exciting i mean i think that also i don't think that people understand too the, the fact that you, I mean, when we do it, I don't think we'll we'd even attempt an oolong like we, you know, we're going to do, we have started to grow and we still have a while before we'll have enough to be able to, you know, start play with the processing, but, you know, we'll do a black and a green, and then I'm calling it a day. But I mean, I <laughs> understand, like, I don't think people understand that oolongs and, you know, the fact that you offer so many in terms of the processing and the different processing points involved or touch points involved in all of this, it's, it's, it's a lot. To keep up with i mean and even the fact that even if you go to china or even some of the really large gardens in india they don't even offer as many different types of tea that you guys are offering yeah. so i think that's i mean i don't know It just like it, it i find i don't know how you guys do it it's incredibly overwhelming but it's amazing
1: yeah So said it's uh it takes each one got easier as we went yeah. on um but yeah we have A really good friend of ours in India, Shiv, and um, he's one of the few places that actually owns the plantation and owns the factory. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, in the beginning, he helped us a lot. Um, He would see, we'd post pictures and stuff online and he'd send us, you know, a message and say, okay, you need to do this just by looking at the pictures Mm-hmm. Um, cause we'd say, oh, well, we're not quite there yet. And this is what it's looking like. And he would call and say, okay, this is, you need to tweak this. Um, cause he was, uh, uh, engineer and very into science and stuff. So he knew just by looking at it, oh, if you'll tweak this little spot, it'll help you get there. Um, so he was making green and black. That's what their factories made. Mm-hmm. And when we started making a yellow tea. And our yellow tea won an award.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He called and he's like, look, I'm, I kind of interested in how you did this. (laughs) Um, And, you know, what do you, I I would like to do that. And so we, when we were there, uh, we were playing a trip. um, We were actually going for another uh, friend's Rajiv, his son was getting married. And so we were going for the wedding and everything. So we brought a couple of things to Shiv and told him, you know, showed him how to use them and what to do and stuff like that. And uh, if he had any questions or, or whatever, he contacts us when it comes to that. So he's, he's trying to work it out. Um, But there's still a lot of things um, in their factories that they don't have uh, Mm -hmm. for processing whole leaf tea. Um, Most of their factories are for, CTC. That's right. Um, So there, he's still working out what to do. Most of his whole leaf tea is usually done still by hand. So.
3: That's
2: interesting. And um, in terms of like, how do you guys make sure that each lot is the same? Like how, how, how is quality control in terms of being able to, okay, this is what we did right this time. We have to be able to repeat this process.
1: Right. So everything, is trapped. Um we when we made our green tea and our black tea um we went through eight spiral ring notebooks of notes and every single time we did something we notated it um until we got our perfect ratio for our process. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we did that I was extremely tired of writing. I
2: can imagine
1: so we still have to keep up with all of that though. Um, So
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I created Excel spreadsheets for it. Um, So now we can actually go in, put in uh, how much leaf we're starting off with and the spreadsheet starts to auto-populate information.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So it keeps up with how much goes on every tray, when you're supposed to go on to your next step. Once you do your next step, you put in that information and then it auto-populates more information for what you've got to do after that. Um, So it keeps... Um, everything going until you get to the final, you know, drying and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything is notated and you have to follow that process throughout the entire time. And if there's something that happens, like most people, when they see our place and we have a controlled withering room, is completely shut off from everything else, where we keep the temperature regulated, we keep the humidity regulated and They'll ask, well, why do you have time ranges then? Well, because every day is not the same. <laughs> um, so I could tell you that our black tea is usually withered for somewhere between 18 or 16 to 20 hours. And that depends on what the weather's like, though.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: even though that room is controlled. The outside conditions affect the leaf before it gets there. hmm. So everything is controlled in that aspect, Um, but it's all relatively comes out basically the same um, in the end. And it, or it's close enough Mm -hmm. that there's not a regular person is not going to taste the difference.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, A
1: tea taster um, would be able to taste the difference, Mm -hmm. but regular everyday uh, normal tea drinkers are not going to get that difference um, from a day-to-day basis.
2: Mm -hmm. And in terms of like the tea tasting menu, how would you say, how would you describe your blacks and greens?
1: So our green tea, um, it's very umami. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
1: it does not have that bitter astringency that you get a lot of times from green tea, even when oversteeped. Um, that is something that we worked really, really hard on. Um, so our black tea, um, you get kind of a sweet feed. Anybody that has horses or animals kind of know that, um, that smell. Um, it's a sweet feed kind of taste, which is kind of honey and molasses and uh, sweet potato, um, that kind of flavor profile.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it, it's a really unique kind of flavor to our area. Um, there's aspects of it, um, like the sweet potato is we found in like Thomas's tea over in Laurel, um, as he's starting to process, um, we're finding that sweet potato coming out in his as well, um, still has some work to do on it with him. Um, but he's doing really well starting off as well. So I think our region area is going to probably have that kind of sweet potato-ness, mm-hmm. um, but it's then what else comes out with it. So like ours, like you said, that sweet feed, we are getting that honey and that molasses mm-hmm. and everything coming through as well. Um, and our black tea is not really, really dark. Um, and that's just because of our soil type, we found out. Um, We also work a lot with Virginia Lovelace and she picked up certain things. She's like, well, you know, let's do some research on this. And um, it turns out because of the iron, the high amounts of iron in our soil, um, it actually prevents oxidation um, from happening to such a degree. So our black tea is a black tea, but it's not as oxidized as some other black teas because Mm -hmm. of the iron in our soil.
2: Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, And how do you feel like in terms of tea kind of coming in America? Like I feel in the Southeast, I think it's ironic that there's there's less tea drinkers here probably than in the Northeast just because of the weather. But it seems like the Southeast is where a lot of the tea farms are coming up. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it is just also there's not hard freezes and things like that. That you know help with the growth, but um, where do you see kind of tea farms popping up and happening in the United States that you're aware of?
1: So most tea farms um, that we're seeing are happening in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we've got Thomas over in Laurel. Um, we've got David down in Louisiana. Um, there was uh, another one over in Alabama. Um, Bless his heart. He's passed away recently. Um
2: Is that fair? Is that Fair Fair Hope? No.
1: No, that it was in uh Andalusia, Alabama.
2: Okay, I don't know. Okay.
1: Um he was getting up and started. Um, it kind of fell a long time ago. Okay. Um, quite some time ago. He was trying to get up and going, um, had a heart attack
3: um, um
1: and stuff happened and then the farm kind of went to the wayside because his health was more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh he actually recently passed but um he that was up and going but because of health reasons stuff it Mm -hmm. just didn't happen um they said charleston
3: Mm -hmm.
1: uh and theirs is it was already there and prepped for um so would somebody normally do one there maybe not um but it does have the conditions to do it if properly done. Um, So everything, a guy over in Texas. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Southern states are are mostly where tea growing is going to be a little better. Um, Not saying that you couldn't grow it um, in other places.
2: They grow it in Hawaii. I know that there's
1: the Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. uh, Most, a lot of the tea farms in Hawaii have kind of gone under um, there's I think one lady that's really still pushing for it to, to work out, but most of the tea farms in Hawaii because with COVID tourism went away, mm-hmm. um, everything went away. And then the volcano, then COVID and a lot of businesses went under in Hawaii. Um, ones that had been there for generations um, because they just couldn't they couldn't sustain with COVID. Mm -hmm. so most of the tea farms have gone out uh one of the bigger ones that we knew of that was still there in COVID it died I mean it just died because they couldn't get rid of they couldn't sell anything Mm -hmm. um let's see yeah sorry (laughs) allergy season (laughs) yeah so but most of the tea in the United States to be grown outdoors, we'll put it that way, is going to be in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, other places, they're going to have to have greenhouse growing or high tunnels um, or polytunnels. tunnels, so most people will call them, as well, um, that they're going to have to grow in um, to protect the tea from the, the elements and to get some kind of season. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the long, the longest growing season in the South. Mm-hmm. I said our season is six to seven months. Uh, worth of growing where you have in some places they may have two or three months of growing and that's it um so it just depends uh there is a place in Oregon um that has tea and they've had it for quite some time but we've been there there's some things they could do better um but they they aren't really growing tea to be making tea
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's kind of a, a secondary thing that they got into. Um, so it's not really their bread and butter. So that's another thing when it comes to tea is a lot of people aren't, it's not their first business or it's just a hobby. Um, and it kind of, the tea takes a back seat, um,
3: mm-hmm. when other
1: things have to happen. So, uh, we have tea as our main business. Um, so it puts, we put it first above everything else um, and I think that's one of the reasons that we probably have gone so far in tea is because we made it a priority
2: it's interesting um, I wanted to I do you I wanted to ask you if you had anything else that you felt like would like be relevant to people wanting to know about tea in the US I don't know if you have anything that you else that you wanted to add?
1: Um, I mean, there's no tea pressure. In the oh, no T <laughs> TTS is, is fairly new, um, mm-hmm. as most people know. Um, so when you're getting into tea or trying to find US tea, um, just be careful. Um, you know, taste, try things out before uh, you commit to things. You know, if you want to you know, try teas from all the, I mean, cause there are some available in the United States that you can get, mm-hmm. um, you know, order some, see how you like it. If you don't like it, don't buy there, um, but just be careful. There are some people out there that are uh, not so up and up. So just be careful on dealing with things. Um, they're in every industry. There's Mm -hmm. people in the coffee industry that are that way. There's people in every industry. We have them in the tea industry too. Mm -hmm. Um, So just be careful. Um, Make sure that you're doing your your homework on your tea production and your tea plants and make sure that you know what you're getting into, um, which is one of the things that we do a lot. Um, People will contact us. We got a guy from Hattiesburg um, that just contacted us and he was like, oh, I want to see about growing and, you know, I've got about 20 acres that I could, you know, possibly do something with, you know, plant maybe two or three of it in tea and um, everything else. And my very first thing when people say that is I tell them, well, why don't you make a visit to the farm? Mm -hmm. Let's go over everything that it entails in doing tea and then decide on what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people just think, oh, I'm going to throw some plants out there and there's a lot more to it. And they just don't know that what all goes into it. So we always tell people, get into it, do your research. Don't just think, oh, I'm going to throw a plant, some plants in the yard and they're going to be there. Um, That's not exactly how it works.
2: (laughs) I mean, I think we will definitely want to visit you. You guys are on our list. There's a few others. There's one that's really close to us in Noonan um but tea is again it's you're right it tourism is their first business tea is a secondary thing they have I think I don't know how many acres a few acres of it but um you know they do it but I think that when it comes to processing and things like that we'll definitely give you guys a visit so thank you so much oh
1: no problem
2: we appreciate it. And I wanted to ask, like, in terms of resources, where would you, I mean, I know there's the U.S. Tea Growers Association, but in terms of other resources, what would you say are the best resources here in the United States?
1: Um, so there is um, the U.S. League of Tea Growers. Um, there's also on Facebook, there's Let's Grow Tea.
3: Okay.
1: Um, and that is not just people in the United States. Um, it's people all over the world. And so people here in the United States can get information from other growers around the world that have been through things. Um, and it may not be exact information for your area, but it'll give you, oh, well, your tea's doing this, it needs this, um, or, you know, something like that. So it's, it's free information that's readily given. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's uh, books you can buy in the United States. Um, I know you can buy Jane Pettigrew's book. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also buy, um, his name is slipping my mind right this moment. (laughs) Um, Why can't I think of his name? (laughs) Uh, Anyways, he has a a book that's, uh, it's very thick. And it was three, three editions. um, And we bought the one that was all three editions at one time. (laughs) Um, So it's a book that's about this thick. (laughs) Um, And uh, it's really good um, for all of that kind of nerdy information. Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: then you also have Virginia has books out. Um, You have tea, a bird's eye view and three teas and best ways to drink them. And um, so she has a lot of, of information that's out there as well. Um, And she actually goes into science of why tea, where you get certain flavors from, and what processes bring those flavors out and stuff like that. So her books are really great. Um, they're new and coming as well. Um, so those work really well.
2: Okay, great. And we'll link those in the notes for the podcast, But. Thank you so much. And I, I, like I said, I cannot wait to visit. We were talking about maybe doing it this summer, but we have little ones. I have a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. So I, we kind of want to wait till they're a little bigger because I wouldn't be able to concentrate on it you know, <laughs> when I'm having to chase them. But thank yeah. you so much.
1: Oh no! Problem. I really
2: appreciate it
1: and oh, I'm, I'll you. be
2: in touch and when we come for sure I'm going to let you know and we'll, we'll coordinate <laughs> it clearly but yeah thank you so much I think it's no so great problem. what you're doing and we just I wish you all the best and all the success
1: thank you so much I said yeah. we enjoy doing things like this and having people down so
2: thank you so much all right thank you so much I really appreciate it
1: thank you okay. you too
2: all right bye right,
0: bye bye Barone teas are artisan teas made and mixed in small batches. Their proprietary formulas are designed for holistic wellness without sacrificing taste so you can get all the benefits of the herbs and full leaf tea leaves along with amazing flavors. Flavors like southern pecan, peach berry, magnolia, and peach blossoms bring southern scents home to your mug. Their organic blends are packaged in biodegradable pyramid tea bags, so you know you are getting the finest herbs and teas out there without any extra chemicals. Their herbal formulas are designed to age you on many different levels, from top to bottom and from inside to outside. Their black and green teas are made from whole leaf teas, never powdered, and that allows for more antioxidants and goodness in each cup. They believe the act of sipping a beautiful cup of tea can be just as healing as the tea itself. So go visit Barone Teas and try them out for yourself. Start your mornings with a cup of Barone Tea and help make your day a bit more magical. Tea Fascination's theme music is No Clouds, performed by Ketza. Tea Fascination is recorded, mixed, and edited by Duncross Media. For all your digital marketing needs, go to www.duncrossmedia.com. With nearly a decade's experience in digital marketing, Duncross Media is an effective and affordable option for all your digital marketing needs.